This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the show. All right. Trigger warning for people not interested in diving into your true nature or awakening, realization, no self, these kind of topics. Just yeah, click off. This isn't about COVID or medical stuff. So that stuff is for other shows. If you are into that, here's a conversation uh, about an almost two-hour conversation I had with David McDonald. He is a 24-year-old Irish dude. At one athlete at one point, uh, Ireland's fastest man, and uh, since then has fallen down the same rabbit hole I've fallen down with uh, into this awakening rabbit hole where you're really looking at what is our true nature? Are we this little self behind our head, separate from the world and interacting with this apparently hostile environment or is something else going on. So in this conversation, he had reached out and, and wanted to connect because he had been watching me for a while with Angelo and others that he's interviewed on his show. And when he sent me the email, it was clear like, oh, wow. He Then I started looking at his videos. And I said, this guy really sees clearly and he's on the journey and he's quite, he's intellectually minded, which uh, is similar to me in the sense that we wanna find ways to verbalize something that's entirely non-conceptual. And maybe that's a fool's errand, but maybe it is this sort of finger pointing at the moon. And maybe it'll get folks to actually look at the moon and focus less on the finger at some point if you just relax and feel into what's being said. So without further ado, here's our conversation. We talk about um, the center of attention and how it may be entirely an illusion and you can look for it and notice that it can't be found. And then we dive down deep. So, oh, by the way, I will also link to the video in the show notes and to David's YouTube channel, which is excellent. Enjoy, I give you David McDonald and I in conversation. Zubin, as I just said earlier, thank you so much for your time. I really, really appreciate you being here and just thank you for thank you for the big yes. Thank you. Oh, thank you. When I when you reached out, I was uh, just internally kind of lit up uh, after watching your videos and getting the chance to discover what you were doing. It's really beautiful, man, the way you express. Yeah. So like, I'm going to start out with like the hardest question ever. What are we actually talking about? I, I kind of, I asked this to, to Josh Putnam as well. And, you know, it's just kind of like a really difficult question, but like, what are we actually about to talk about? <laughs> it's, you know, such a good question because it cuts to the, cuts to the nature of the futility in a way of all of this. And I think actually, I think seeing the futility of talking about the unspeakable that's beyond conceptualization 
recognizing that futility is actually it's a necessary kind of real part of the realization. Um, and I think a lot of people go through this at some point who tastes what this is, this true nature of, of reality, having really no nature, <laughs> having no conceptual ability to, to grasp it or understand it, and then going and trying to talk about it. And, uh, that's why when 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 we started, I said, you know, I love the way you express because when you talk about this, you're speaking from that non-knowing and trying to say, okay, so let's see if we can point at the moon in this way. And I want you to look there, not at my finger that's pointing, you know, the classic Zen thing. And so we are really talking about nothing. Um, and our words are total nonsense. Uh, it's, it's, and nothing's happening. That's the other thing. <laughs> It, it, it's, it, you know, it's kind of like the, the Buddhist heart sutra. It just basically says, Hey, yeah, you know, all the stuff that the Buddha said about, de you know, dependent origination and the fourfold noble path and the 12 chains of samsaric causation, none of that's real. Now that you know that <laughs> it's all empty of characteristics. There's only, you know, shunyata is emptiness and form, same thing, nothing. And, and it's impossible to talk about. Amen, brother. And we're definitely going to get into that. And I, I hope to, um, we'll come across a few sections. I kind of want to go through like a couple of, uh, Angelo calls it stages of realization. So the reason why, the main reason actually why I reached out to you was because I resonated with you and I was only actually a couple of months behind um, your shifts for some reason. It was really interesting and I was following you and the way you were expressing it was was just hitting something in me. Um, so I later on in the conversation hopefully we can point in a kind of a similar way because i actually think we me and you have a similar similar way of kind of talking about this but first i i want to talk a little bit about um i look back through your videos a few years ago and you do have videos w about meditation and, and things like that and i did hear you say you had that initial awakening shift a while ago if i'm correct it was a few years ago i just want to i'd love to kind of hear about that because i didn't really hear you talk in depth about it very much. Um, but that initial, before you met Angelo, before any of that, um, could we talk a little bit about that? Sure. And it's all story. Yeah. And it's interesting because it, you know, it's kind of seen from here that stages are almost, um, they're, they're a retrospective story that we tell about something to try to make it make sense. Whereas in reality, it's all an energetic like not in space, not in time process that didn't happen. So it's, that's why you can't really talk like that because people look at you like you're fundamentally insane and uh, which is now fine with me. <laughs> but there was a time when that was not okay with me because the ego was like, well, I don't want people to think I'm crazy, but what happened is kind of hard to talk about. So here's a story. So the basic, the basic one liner, that's maybe a few more than a single line. You know, I, I I've always been, um, you know, I, I'm a Zoroastrian by birth. Like, you know, you study religion, it's the ancient, you know, uh, uh, dualistic religion, ancient Persia influenced a lot of maybe Christianity, Judaism in the in the old old days. So my parents are some of the last Zoroastrians, there's maybe a hundred thousand in the world and came from India. And so I was raised in this kind of, that kind of religious spectrum, but very rapidly by about age 12 realized I was, I didn't believe any of that. It, it just didn't, I, there was no proof. There was no evidence in experience and there was no evidence scientifically. So I became a pretty hardcore atheist for most of my adult life. And so went into medicine, tried to solve the problem of birth and death by studying biology. 
And then uh, a lot of things happened. I got very burned out in medicine, working at Stanford for about a decade and got this opportunity to move to Las Vegas to try to do something to transform healthcare, do something with the YouTube channel I'd created and that sort of thing. And it was that move that destabilized my belief structure in what I was. Like, oh, I'm a doctor who works in an academic institution. I'm married to another doctor. And so something there, suddenly you're thrown into chaos. And one night I was at uh, this um, condominium in downtown Las Vegas with the person who had me come out there and this woman who was very, now in retrospect, quite awake. And she's like, here, have some weed. And you know, I hadn't smoked weed in a few years and suddenly I'm stoned out of my mind. And she's directly attacking my ego. Like she's like, this is what I see in you. I noticed you do this. You make jokes to try to put yourself at ease whenever there's more than one person there. And I'm just like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> what is this? Like, I just came to this thing to like hang out. And the next thing I know, something shifted that was indescribable. And it was clear to me that there was only this moment. There was no future and past. There was only presence. And that the story of me was a story and it could be let go. And it suddenly felt like this massive burden was just released. And this was 10 years ago. This was wow. 20, 2012, yeah. And I didn't know what that was, but suddenly I got interested in meditation and because she said, oh, you know, there's this guy, Eckhart Tolle, he talks about the present moment. And and my my favorite atheist, Sam Harris, was wrote, just wrote a book called Waking Up. And I was like, wait, what is going on here? Sam Harris, who I trust implicitly as someone who's a skeptic is, is saying it's okay to explore the nature of self. And, and so that's kind of what started it all. Oh, so interesting. Um, I, I've, the previous interview I did as well, um, they were introduced to this true Sam Harris and I was introduced to this true Sam Harris as well. It's amazing the, the work that the Waking Up app, I'm not sure if you've used the Waking Up app, but the, the, the work that, that's going on there. So uh, it's, it's amazing really. Um, and it's, it's it's similar to me. So I'm only 24, and that first initial insight, if you will, I again, it's impossible to talk about. Um, and the way I like to describe it is just the the pure sense of uh, being or knowingness. They're all synonyms: being, knowingness, or just pure immediacy is the word that's coming to mind as of late. That actually happened to me when I was like. I think it was five or six in the back of a car and I tried to turn around and explain it to my cousin beside me. And I was like, do you ever just like, you know, become aware and just become really aware. And she had no idea what I was talking about. And then that happened and it kind of just became the norm. And I found myself into my teenage years, getting more into kind of religion, into more esoteric things. I had no idea why that happened. I'm just saying that because it's so, it relates so much to what you're saying kind of happened 10 years ago. Um, and then you kind of eased into sort of uh, meditation and things like that. But did that initial insight for you, uh, for me, it didn't, but did that initial insight, that initial glimpse, did that deepen at all? Or did it just kind of spark your interest in sort of meditation and things? And then eventually you kind of met Angelo and then you went down the rabbit hole then. Yeah, man, that's a beautiful story you told, by the way, like that, that childish sort of innocence that just opens and it has no words for it and it's there. And then it leads to the kind of unfolding that you talked about where you're you're now going, okay, how do I make yeah. sense of this? Like what, what context can I put here? 
And for me, it felt very similar. It was very much like that. And by the way, the Sam Harris thing is pretty amazing. Waking Up was a big deal and the book was a big deal for me. And I had the pleasure during COVID, Sam had actually reached out to me because he wanted me to talk about vaccines or something. And I was like, oh my God. So when I got on a phone call with him, I got to tell him directly how much his um, expression meant to the unfolding here and others. And, and it was so funny. It was like, it seemed to me listening to him on the phone that that was the only thing he really cared about. Like there's all this other stuff he does in the world, but it's like, oh, really? So you you read Waking Up, you know? <laughs> and it was, it's just beautiful. But um, for me, I think what happened was I, I didn't have a container for this at all. And um, being very skeptical, it's interesting because what you said, this sense of being or very aware, that's what I was calling the now. Like the now for me now in retrospect was beingness. It was the I sense, the, this, this mm. presence. Mm. So many words for it, but it, it, it's just this. And what I found is after that initial shift, I could drop into that with a, at a do, at the drop of a hat. You know, the initial honeymoon period of that, like <laughs> it wore off in a couple of weeks, you know? And, but then it was like, I could just sit and suddenly it was like, oh, you know, the breathing was just breathing itself and everything got very still. And I even stopped blinking. I would just, suddenly I was, wasn't blinking and it was just presence being present. So that I did notice and I, I didn't know what it was. I just thought, oh, you know, maybe this is what Eckhart Tolle is pointing out when he says, you know, presence, he keeps saying presence. Um, so it was like that. And there was a lot of seeking. So I, I read, a, I suddenly was interested, interested in Ken Wilber. I know you've mentioned him too, because he fed the conceptual side, but then he would point in a way that was so perfect at non-duality. It's so beautiful. You're yeah. like, who is this guy that he can speak in all this complex conceptual stuff, but then he's pointing right at like, no thing, mm. no self. And, um, so I went down those rabbit holes, but again, it, it really, it never really abided. It was always this kind yeah. of, yeah. Um, it's interesting. Um, I didn't know you, you spoke to Sam Harris. So I'm still waiting for that, that episode where he, you, you bring him onto the show. Um, I'm sure everyone will, will love that. Um, he's been interviewed quite, quite a lot these days. Um, but are you, having him on the show now, is that anything you're considering in the future? Just a quick sidetrack. So can, I can be totally honest here. Like the way Sam expresses now doesn't interest me very much. Um, Interesting. And the reason is I've listened for so many years. His guests are amazing. He's amazing. He's incredibly mm. clear, yeah. but what would I talk to him about? You know, it's kind yeah. of like mm. we would stare at each other and the, the interesting thing about Sam is, you know, now what's interesting is recognizing fixations in myself. Um, <clears throat> I see them everywhere. So Sam is very conceptual in many ways, and that's his strength. He's beautiful at being able to conceptualize yes. things that are unconceptualizable, but mm. it does become a kind of trap. And if you listen to his interview with Jim Newman, say, um, where he interviews, and Newman is, a, is, is just so uncompromisingly direct. Yeah. It was an amazing interview because you're seeing like, okay, but give me something for the mind to at least do something with. And Jim's like, there's no mind, there's nothing to do. Nothing's happening. That's the problem. And, uh, yeah. and I think that would be the, it would be, it would be, <laughs> it would be vaguely frustrating for the audience. I think, uh, if I, if we had a conversation. 
Yeah, this was uh, not saying it was a. Uh, I heard you speak about it before. Not that you're calling a problem within yourself, but you very much had the tendency um, throughout the years to kind of intellectualize things as well. Obviously, and you know, you're a doctor, um, and even me included, like studying like theology in in school in university, it's very much this intellectual kind of philosophical pursuit, and it's really interesting because, as you said, what would you talk about with Sam? And that's actually been something I've noticed with, you know, I'm getting people on here to talk about this too. And if I was just into general spirituality, these conversations would be hell of a lot more interesting. We could talk about, we could talk about, you know, the physics and the, the, the quantum realm, and we could talk about spirituality and maybe we could talk about manifestation and it would be so much more interesting. And, you know, a lot of the times there is a tendency to want to just go into silence because there is nothing to say about this and i completely understand what you're saying in and i guess what i'm trying to ask is how have you kind of straddled that that intellectual kind of powerhouse within you that's just always wanting to figure things out that's always wanting to philosophize things and was there ever a moment where um that really really got undermined i imagine it has something to do to do with with angelo yeah yeah, you know, uh, it's 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 great. Your questions are really at the core of looking at. It's something I'm str- I struggle with today, which is, what am I doing? Like, you know, I have this big platform, and I'm good at talking. I can talk and talk and talk and talk. I've done it now for years. Yeah. Um, I, you know, the intellect has been stroked for many years. But what 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 is exactly going on, and where does it get disarmed, and does it need to be disarmed? Does a word need to be spoken about it? What what can be said, and and what you said about spirituality? This is the thing. That's more story, right? Like it, it's a beautiful story for the character in the dream to talk about, and and to be honest, I think it keeps us asleep. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> because it's something, you know, okay, now we're thinking about this and we're thinking about the physics of it. And I, I tell you, I spent most of my life doing that. Yeah. And yet what else then do you speak of when you're talking about this? So the cracking point for me actually wasn't Angelo. Angelo um, accelerated my general demise, like the general falling away of yeah. all of this. And and like my first retreat was with Angelo uh, and I could go back and, and kind of, categorize in stages everything that yeah. that you could talk about like you could say first retreat had a heart opening kundalini awakening great there's some labels for that um deep presence okay mm-hmm. second uh, retreat with at angelo's house had a full blown i am everything fishbowl i've heard you describe it as the fishbowl of awareness containing everything and yeah. i am that great then the next retreat angelo north carolina emptiness just shunyata, everything is just radiating from nothing and just laughter at like, oh my God, I thought I was this, but I'm nothing. There's not, there's no I at anything. And then, and even then though, personality comes reasserts. Of course. There's story told about that. Mm. And then uh, Suzanne Chang, who has the YouTube channel, Suzanne Non-Duality, showed up here and, you know, we did a a show, but really it was, she spent a week and being in the (laughs) presence of someone who was that, direct and recently dead, um, that's what really kind of collapsed everything. And that's when I realized, I don't know if I can say a word about this. Everything I say is wrong. But then it's since kind of reasserted that I realized that you can speak from that 
place. Like you can speak from the knowing of truth in a way that isn't necessarily conceptual. It could be interpreted as conceptual, but, and, and that speaking, those words, they come out of nothing. They come out of nowhere. And it seems that beings around you that hear them can actually experience energetically what you're pointing at. And that in itself, it's like, well, if you're gonna sit around in samsara doing stuff, that's as good as anything to do because you know, what else is there to do really? So yeah. I'm kind of in that confused boat at this point. Yeah, for sure. And it's really important to use the word energetics here. Really, this is heavily energetic. And I don't really, you know, energetic and direct experience, I don't really separate the two out because, you know, again, we can have a very intellectual understanding of this. Um, but it's incredibly energetic. It's like, mm, yeah, <laughs> this is the point where I, I kind of shut up because um, like you, you, you described when you experienced the one mind. And for me, that was walking down the streets of Dublin actually I got off a train and it was actually a beautiful day and the sun was setting and the birds were, were chirping and I was kind of investigating and suddenly I was just walking and it was almost like that that pure sense of being that pure sense of I the initial awakening that was somehow located in here in around here somewhere it's all it, this is imperfect not a way not a good way of describing it but it's almost like it just bled out and just equalize the whole environment and the whole environment just became totally equal and then all of a sudden you're no longer the most important thing in the room it's like oh shit it's like the buildings and the people it's like where am i in any of this and it's just one equality and then it's like ah i have found god it's like i found brahman i found the universal consciousness that bernardo castro talks about it's like there we go and the mind comes online it's like oh yeah you know i'm infinite god i'm infinite space I'm, I'm i'm whatever and then a couple of months ago when i during angelo's retreat god just got completely destroyed and it was just um it's just the sounds and it's just the sensations um i'm curious i wanted to ask you this how how do you how do you look back on those interviews with bernardo or um you know people who kind of um, propose idealism and things like that um, who is who is he? Um, Donald Hoffman. Hoffman, yes. As well, how yeah. do you look? How do you look back on those talks now that you've kind of gone through these shifts? Yeah, I'm still just really reveling in your description of that uh, that kind of that whole process, right? The processless process of, I mean, that's how it is. It's like, oh God, everything is within me, and I am that, and then it's like. No, there's nothing. There's no, no. It's destroy. It's just exactly as it is. Just the sound hearing itself. Just, just this. You can't even say there's awareness of. There's mm. just the. Mm. It's just. It's. It's quite remarkable and beautiful. So, and but if it's not beautiful, it's kind of like annihilation in a way. Yeah. So it can be. Yeah, there's beautiful equanimity, but when the mind does come back, it tells the story of annihilation. Uh, it's really interesting. But okay, that all aside. How do I look back at that kind of expression? It's interesting. At first, there was this period where there was still quite a bit of fixation that I could feel. And I would look back with a, some degree of shame and embarrassment, like, oh man, I really didn't understand reality and was grasping at these things. And now I look back and go, oh, that's exactly how it goes. For me, Donald <clears throat> Hoffman was a gateway drug. He was like, 
What, what he did was he came in and said, look, everything is maybe consciousness and these are conscious agents interacting in mathematically predictable ways that explain the world, actually recreate physics, general relativity, special relativity, all of it um, in a way that uh, uh, suddenly I was like, wait, so everything could be mind, everything could be consciousness and it could make scientific sense. And that yeah. disarmed that aspect of the intellect that was holding and resisting. But then that became a story. And then you talk to Bernardo, who's a brilliant, I mean, incredibly. And, you know, by the way, you talk to Bernardo off camera and he's, you're just like, oh yeah, and, and nothing, you know, <laughs> he's, he's quite realized. Yeah. And, um, and, and then it's the same thing. It's like, oh yeah, of course it's one mind dreaming alter egos. It makes perfect sense. Mm -hmm. And then later the realization is all of that's a story told by dream characters to dream characters mm -hmm. to make sense of a dream that isn't at all what it appears. It's just the appearance radiating out of emptiness and even that's saying too much. Um, and, and so it is all a beautiful part of this expression. So I see it as all like all necessary, yeah. um, kind of an epiphenomenon of what you pointed out, which is the energetics. When Even when you say energetics, it sounds like a bunch of woo-woo nonsense, but mm -hmm. it's, it's absolutely the best word. Like yeah. you feel it in the body, you feel it in the chest, mm -hmm. and then chest is disappears and it's just, what is this? Mm -hmm. And all of this is just the energetics of it. So awakening is nothing more than in the energetics of something that is not describable in many ways. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, before I got, before I went really down the rabbit hole, I was very much into Advaita Vedanta as well. And again, I'm not saying there's no, there's no I'm not here um, attacking Advaita Vedanta or saying that it's wrong or, and I'm right because then I'm just holding another position against something else. I'm holding, I'm holding in opposition to something else, which is just complete baloney as such. Um, but it's it's really interesting how the levels of of the intellect work, and so it's almost like you have uh, the top level, which is mind identification, which is I am the story of myself. I'm the character of me living on a storyline, and then you have an awakening, and it's like no, I'm this pure sense of being. But there's still concepts like uh, distance and timelines and things like that, and you drop below that again, and then it's like okay, so there's no distance, there's no timelines, there's just consciousness. And everything is consciousness is okay. Wait, no, oh no, well, that's just another thought. And then you drop below that again. And then it's like, okay, then well, well, what's what's here then? And it's just you go quiet. And that's where I'm not sure if you are interested much in sort of like Mahayana Buddhism, Zen Buddhism. Um, but I found their expression of this is more in line with the energetics of of my experience. And to be honest with you, I've studied a lot more kind of Zen and practice more Zen over the last uh, year or so but then you you enter into just what is right this just this just for anyone who's listening just this and then you close your eyes and you hear a sound and first of all the sound is not being received by anybody or any point in the head the sound is sounding and i've heard you say this before and angelo say this the sound is just kind of sounding by itself and then you feel deeper into it and it's it's the sound is you it is the expression of that 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 first i am sense that you first awoke to it is the expression of that and it's not going back to anywhere and there's a little subtle a very subtle inquiry that you can do then and you can ask yourself well okay so where is the sound is the sound coming from the radio is the sound in the air is the sound in my mind the actual subjective the qualia of the sound and you realize that you can't find it in any of them it's not anywhere it the sound isn't anywhere 
And then you can't even say that the sound is coming or the sound is going. You can't even say that it, it exists or it doesn't exist. And then just all opposites get completely obliterated. And then, you know, what What are you going to, are you going to believe idealism? Are you going to believe materialism? Are you going to believe this? Are you going to believe that? They're all just opposites, just bouncing off each other. And it's like, ugh, just die is the, is the perfect word. And then it all just, it just dies into something that's, as, as Peter Ralston said, it's just distinctionless. And yeah, what can you say about that? <laughs> that that was a beautiful ride through all the levels. I mean, that's exactly it. And at the at that base, it's not even a level at that point. It's just it encompasses everything. It is mm -hmm. you realize everything is a is a is <clears throat> a vibration of that fundamental no thingness in everythingness. And and what what, what I, I want to say this because I think and and maybe I'm self deluding here. Maybe there's a problem here. You know, I always have to be aware of that. And. Uh, and and I also resonate with Zen, probably the strongest of all the sort of traditions, um, because it's so it's kind of agnostic. It and it's very practical and direct, and it really focuses on hey, just here's your direct experience. Now, some of the downside of it is they're very focused on postures and discipline and that kind of thing, mm, and yeah. it's kind of very masculine approach to punching yeah. through. And what I found is sometimes the feminine surrender aspect is is necessary, yeah. but but both are important. But you know, there's a fluidity between those levels of identification and no identification that I find here. And this is where I have not heard a lot of people say this. And it makes me, you know, the doubt engine can fire up and say, well, then you just don't, you're not seeing clearly. Mm -hmm. But I find that I can be, I can experience reality fully mind identified at times, like I'm this. And then it can it can relax into a more uh, a, a basic presence, like oh, I'm mind identified, but I'm here. I'm here at least. <laughs> I'm not in. I'm not lost in thought. And then it can relax into no big mind. Uh, it's a, it's 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 what you pointed at in that way. And then that can be seen, especially in silence, sitting, nature, sometimes spontaneously. No, there's nothing. It's, it's all the phenomenon are experiencing. They're self-experiencing, but even that is saying too much. <laughs> you can't say a word about it. Yeah. And and you said you said it just this. It's a mantra, yeah. really. Just this. Oh, I love that on so many levels. Just this is exactly right because mm. you and and I. If you want to conceptualize it, which you shouldn't do, I'll do it anyways. Just this is just the just the phenomena is all there is, no consciousness of, no subject object, just this. You could also say just this is, this is the whole universe. There's nothing mm. outside of it. It's mm. just this. Mm. And then you could say, you know, I, I mean, it, it's an infinite rabbit hole, just this, but ultimately <laughs> it's just this. <laughs> it, it gets impossible to talk about. I I use I use that a lot now and during meditations and during my videos I use the word justice and I got it from you, um just 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 so everybody knows um, and I, I think stole it's it a, probably from Angelo or someone yeah it's just this and I, uh, me and Josh I don't know if you know if you know the the walking red pill we call him um Josh Putnam um Angelo's I don't know him personally but I've seen some of the videos he's quite yeah, clear yeah. yeah yeah we call we call him the the walking red pill. Um, but we we just we have we didn't come up with this, but you know it is what it is. It it just is this, and it is what it is. And bleh, silence, and there you have it. Um, 
but yeah, you should you should definitely um check Josh out. Uh, he's called uh, the Walking Red Pill for a reason. Uh, hey, sorry to interrupt this episode. It's Dr. Z. Just a quick pitch here. If you can just leave a review and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform, it helps us a lot. I also want to hear what you think about this episode when you're done listening. Hello at ZDogMD.com. It's the best way for me to hear your voice because the emails come right to me. And we don't have a comment section on most podcast platforms. Maybe Spotify has one, but nobody else does. So it really gets your voice involved on episodes, especially that don't have a video. And the third thing is if you want to be a part of this community and support the show, join our supporter tribe, zdogmd.com forward slash supporters. You can join on YouTube, Locals, Facebook, Instagram. You get live videos with me where we're talking about these things in depth, uncensored, and your comments are fully incorporated as in real time. And then we do these Zoom meetings where it's really like a beautiful community where we share our experiences on the awakening journeyless journey. How are we going to transform ourselves so we can transform healthcare and education and government? Because those systems are epiphenomena of us. Until we wake up, those systems will stay asleep. They'll, they're just an expression of our own delusion. So being a part of that, it supports this message so others can hear it. And it also allows for our own collective growth. So we need each other in that way. It's really, really, really tightly interwoven and interdependent. That's it. Back to your regular schedule, regularly scheduled show. Um, uh, going back to, you were saying you were cycling through these various kind of, again, speaking relatively here, modes, we just call them modes or levels or whatever. Again, none of, none of that, none of that really exists. You used the word doubt there. Um, did you, do you find doubt creeps into your experience when you say you're in a, a, in the kind of state of no self walking through the forest and then maybe you go home and kind of get into an argument with your kids or you have some work problem and then you're kind of the, the mind activates again and of course you have to use thoughts during that do you find yourself almost another subtle talk comes up and kind of judges you or a thought of doubt comes up and says aha you see you're not really you're not really truly awakened yet or you're not really fully there or whatever crap the mind wants to say is that what you mean by when you say doubt yes and, and there's so many different ways to talk about doubt but that's the doubt that <clears throat> i'm pointing to it's a thought so yeah. it's it's a thought that arises that says this should not be this way for you for whatever reason. So what's happening here where you're upset with the kids or you're getting in an argument, whatever it is, you're angry at traffic, this should not be. So therefore you are somehow defective. Like, and, and that can be seen through very quickly when there's, when there's um, some clarity or attention paid to it, it can be seen as what it is. And in fact, this happened in real time to me at uh, one of Angelo's retreats, the, the one where I, I talked about shunyata, like emptiness just showed up. And so I, I was having, it was the, it was I think the last night of retreat and I'm sitting in the, um, the dining commons and it's this full silent retreat and everybody's eating silently. And I'm sitting there and I'm just like, and I, you know, I, I use some colorful language sometimes. It's just how I am. I apologize. Feel free to bleep it if you want, but it's just, it's how my mind works. And I was like, fuck this place. Fuck these people. Fuck all of this. Like, <laughs> you, what are you doing wasting your time here? You're getting fat, eating this vegetarian trash food. Like you need protein. Like all of this is a lie. You don't, you're not awake. There's no awakening. This is all just a scam. Just go back to being a person living a life. And this, so this is arising. I'm sitting here eating this food 
and uh, all of its thought, all of its thought, all of its thought. And then something really fascinating happened and it wasn't me doing it. That was, that was what was crazy. Suddenly it clicks and I'm experiencing, I don't know how to talk about this, but it was clear that there's a saying that Zen, an old Zen master, Zen master Banky said this. He said, everything is perfectly managed in the unborn. Mm. Um, and suddenly this unborn, this unmanifest, this empty Godhead, there's so many words for it, was all there was. And I could see like, it's really, the whole show is projected out of no thing perfectly. And and compassionately. And it became so clear that the one who had the doubt never existed. And uh, and I started to laugh and people were looking at me, they were staring at me like, what's going on? And I was just like, oh, what the jokes on all of this, because this doesn't, it's not even existent. It's perfectly <laughs> managed in the unborn. <laughs> and uh, and so that's where doubt meets reality in like a, and doubt is just seen for what it is, which is just another no distance, empty appearance. Yeah, the doubter died. Um, that's, the, the doubter died that day. Um, that's hmm, similar to kind of what I've experienced over the last few months as well. In, in terms of when that no-self kind of shift happens and you see that there's no background, there's not a fishbowl holding everything. And let's say I have a, a thought of doubt or the big one has been dissatisfaction. So uh, for me, it's always been kind of been slightly dissatisfied and I truly believe that's probably everybody on the face of the earth that they're in some way dissatisfied. But it was such a relief to be walking in the fields one day and being being happy and usually what would happen is i'd be happy and then a thought would come up and give me a reason why i shouldn't be happy I've, I've got school tomorrow i have this work to do or um or i'd try to cling on to the moment to try and make it last longer and then i would suffer over that or some some sort of you know garbage would happen in the mind that that, that would cause that but uh that's just when that fundamental movement of identity dropped the thought of dissatisfaction dissatisfaction which is a thought dissatisfaction is a thought or doubt which is a thought it can just arise and land nowhere and it can it, it just it only the only reason why it arises is to die uh, because it has nowhere to land on it's got no center to land on it's got nowhere else to land on and so now it's all of a sudden i was walking through the fields and the trees are, are glistening and all of this and the dissatisfaction thought comes up and it's just like it's no different than anything else. It's just an appearing whatever with nothing to land on. And then right there, it's like the end of dissatisfaction because who is who is dissatisfied? Who's the one that's dissatisfied with with all of this? Um, you're saying there, you know, who's who's the doubter? Who the doubter died? Like who worth doubt going to land? And uh, yeah, it's uh, <laughs> uh, uh, it's so beautiful. Yeah, yeah, that's it. And, you know, it's funny because <clears throat> I forgot to tell you that part of the story, which was in the mind when this doubt arose, the spontaneous, now it's reminding me what happened, the spontaneous question arose, who is it that's having this doubt? Like, and it wasn't even me asking the question. The spontaneous question arose, who is the doubter? And then it was felt, everything is perfectly managed. Like this is exactly, there's nothing here except for appearance. And that's when it's just, you can do nothing but laugh or cry or whatever. One thing I wanted to, to double back on, 
that we were talking about here is um there are there and you're in such a good place you know when that when there when that's landing nowhere right uh, th- th- you're seeing it for what it is my wife says you know thoughts are like little birds they're they're just tweeting and <laughs> you can just kind of see them tweeting and um you know cuz she she yeah she basically lost her mind in back in april when suzanne was here and and uh, i did a video on that and she's yeah. still unfolding and going through all the the, the rapid cycling of all of that emotion and everything that comes up. But one of the things that does happen to me is when I have a very profound uh, experience in a sitting meditation or walking in the woods, and then I go back into the real world, the real world, right? Into the dream, uh, the, the the consensus reality of uh, reflective yeah. consciousness, which is a, it's just a story world. Um, there, there's a lot I find in the emotion body, there's a lot of reactivity, there's a lot of anger, there's a lot of rage, there's a lot of frustration. And I've been trying to conceptually feel out why is that? And there's no conceptual answer, it's all energetic. But part of the conceptual answer I came up with is there's a contrast between kind of what reality is. Angelo, I realize, talks about this <clears throat> what reality is, and then what the dream is actually apparently doing to obscure it. So you, you have a true feeling of, oh, this is what things are. And then you can lose yourself back to some, it's not, you're not really losing anything. The dream, the, the reflective consciousness is there telling its story. And there's a knowing, it's like, this is fucking wrong. <laughs> like th- th- this is not okay. And it can arise as reactivity, anger, road rage, all kinds of interesting things. Mm-hmm. And and you see them happening, and and then the doubt comes up. It's like, see, you're not awake, and it's like, yeah, yeah. It, it's really interesting energetically how it plays out in the dream, when when you've kind of touched into this, yeah, or, or more than touched into it, yeah. Mm. And you're also saying going back to um, how you were sitting in the retreat, and you were like, you know, fuck fuck these people essentially. Um, and have you found this as well al- alongside your experience that? And this, uh, I've so I have to thank Adi Shanti and his teaching so much for this. Um, I've you know, I've listened to so much Adi Shanti and did so much of his meditations and uh, just got so much guidance from him that it's been such a blessing. Um, have you ever found a tendency in in your experience, and certainly I have in mine to kind of reify the absolute as like you know the the absolute is here and then the, the relative world is like over there somewhere, and this all came to a crashing halt uh, one day when I, I spoke about this to Josh, when I was walking Wexford town, little town, and I was walking on the quayside and I was sitting on the, on the pillar and I was just eating chips or something. And I just turned around and I looked at everybody and I looked at them walking the dog and I looked at <clears throat> somebody else was fishing and there was pe- kids playing soccer and there was two girls sitting on the wall there. And it was, just walking buddhas everywhere it was just Mm. um Mm. i just i I, in that moment i lost all sort of urge to want to evangelize people into a non-duality or to tell them about it um because you know people have heard this before people are sick of me saying this i was a christian fundamentalist a few years ago so um Mm. i wanted to i just lost the ability because uh, every everybody is a walking buddha and Adi Shanti speaks about this so beautifully. Um, 
it's like you have the relative world, the conceptual world and, and you know, jobs and people and problems and all of that. And you have the, the absolute perspective, the everything is, is empty of inherent existence and there's no self and all of that. And he says, they're just, they're not different. There's no separation between the two of them. And, you know, you can go up to the, you can go up to the mountain of emptiness and you can stay there if you want, you can get stuck there, but really it's about coming full cycle and coming back down to that mountain and going back into the village and, you, you know, chop wood, carry water essentially you know you chop wood before awakening um carry water and then after awakening or enlightenment you chop wood carry water and that's been one of the most beautiful actually one of the more beautiful aspects of this this process is the ability to say go to the school so i go to work tomorrow and just basically speak with people as if nothing has ever happened it's just like i just go on and just completely normally just life just continues on um and but there definitely was in me a tendency to reify an absolute. And that's kind of maybe where I see some neo-advaita kind of people falling into the, the trap of kind of the pure absolute view that I see them getting getting stuck in a little bit. But I'm curious if you've had that in, in your experience as well and how you've how the relative world has kind of been for you. Yeah. It's so it, it it's beautifully said and it's true. And Adya actually in Emptiness Dancing, actually, he has a chapter where he talks about this moment in retreat when form and emptiness come into harmony, where yes. it's felt, where it's felt. They're always in harmony because they're not separate. No. <laughs> they're the same. This is a this and emptiness are the same thing. And you know, there's a term even I think drunk on emptiness. Like you can really fixate in the formless. <clears throat> It's, it is one of the traps, just like fixating in consciousness. I am consciousness, that last bit of identity. And, you know, for me here, it's so fluid. So sometimes that fixation is there. And especially when I'm feeling like the relative world is shit, you're like, God, this, God, this sucks. Like I just, everyone's driving me crazy. But, but what's beautiful is it can be seen with just a click. It's like, yeah. And that's perfect. <laughs> like yeah. even the frustration, even the fixation is this it, mm. it, it, it's all exactly correct um because there you know there it, there's so many you you could subdivide the aspects of kind of this understanding i don't know how to just talk about it into so many different aspects there's the unconditional love aspect like it all feels like love there's the perfection aspect it's all unfolding perfectly there's the um you know, emptiness aspect. It has no characteristics or, or permanence and it's felt to, there's nowhere to put your head. There's no reference frame. There's the no self aspect. And and so, but in reality, it's all one, it's all just a happening. Um, and it's the mind that tends to want to subdivide it into these different expressions or fixate in certain ways. And even that is part of the perfection of it. So it, it can feel very fluid. And I think there are a lot of people there who, you know, and they'll look at someone and say, oh, that guy must be perfect. He doesn't have any of that fluidity. It's all just, you know, gone. And uh, I don't know, that's not how it feels here. But of course, you know, I'm not making any claims to be enlightened even. <laughs> it's just like, I don't even know what that is. When you see, like, when you see a kid and you're like, that's a Buddha, or you see a rock and you're like, that's Buddha. It's hard to say anything beyond that. Like yeah. it's all exactly as it is. Yeah, for sure. And yeah. we need to kind of maybe dispel of this myth that like people who are on this path are somehow perfect human beings that we've got our lives completely sorted out. Like I have, I have a huge amount of like one thing I want to focus on my life is, you know, 
self-compassion because I've always lacked that throughout my life. Not, not that I'm a horrible, mean person, but it's kind of a, a disinterested, kind of withdrawn kind of an attitude towards life. Kind of I'm very um, laid back, very... I wouldn't be very emotionally like go over, give me a hug and you know, let me, let me love you and care for you and strap up your wounds very much a kind of a, this to life withdrawn a little bit. So like oh, this path, is, I could just, again, this is just a thought, but looking, looking into the future, I know it realizes a thought, but there's just, it's just endless, going to be endless, endless unfolding, endless uh, deepening into more compassion, more being able to be there for people, um, to know how to treat people correctly um to you know deepen it in, in those aspects and there's this kind of myth out there that we're all perfect um perfect human beings that like if you've had a no set of self shift or if you had an awakening does that mean you're a you get a an a plus on your morality you know checklist and you're just some sort of a perfect person and it's just it really isn't that at all but it really does give you access if you will to be able to go down and to figure out why you're treating people like shit or why you don't have um that compassion that you that you that you know other beings should be kind of receiving if you will yeah that's 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 beautifully expressed i think a way a way that i think about it is there's the conditioning here of the body mind that's going to do what it does it's Hmm. genetics and environment and our education and our religion and all of that our family everybody friends that condition us. And then there's the realization or the understanding of like, oh, ah, okay. And that in itself is a massive dose of reconditioning for the body mind. If the body mind is paying attention, it, it, it cannot but be changed and reconditioned somewhat by that exposure. But it doesn't destroy all the all the conditioning and it's still an imperfect expression it's just what it is it's 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 yeah. in a way in many ways it's a machine going through the causes and conditions of its reality and so it's going to do stuff that like if you look at gurus throughout history and currently they are a, they can be complete butthole assholes they yeah. sexually take advantage of students they 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 use the absolute to um justify well you know, everything's yeah. empty yeah. and there's no real right or wrong. That's all a thought. And it's like, okay, great. But in this expression, which by the way, as you mentioned, is not different than the absolute. Yeah. <laughs> um, there is apparently suffering. There are apparent beings that suffer. Mm -hmm. And so there can be this conditioning where it's like, oh, compassion just starts to deepen and show up. Yeah. And and one thing I'll say is this is where like people will talk about self-help, self-growth, working on these things. And there is an absolute tendency to discount that and say, yeah, it's hogwash. It's just, you know, mm -hmm. more story. But the truth is that can be useful and helpful. And I can just say for here, one thing that's been helpful is like you said, you tend to be a more withdrawn kind of detached kind of compassion, a little bit more like that. So the way I often will hear that is I, I use early, many years ago, I discovered the Enneagram kind of personality thing. And it's, it's a, it's a, just an interesting way of dividing predominant personality types into nine different types. And it's actually was initially designed around awakening. <clears throat> like, okay, so how do you see what your fixation is so that you can make it as healthy as possible and then mm. ultimately transcend. But the truth is what it does, it allows us to see the operating system that the body mind is using and then recognize when those things arise and yeah. don't take them as mine. Like, okay, yeah. yeah, so there's Enneagram sixes 
tendency to seek safety. Now for you, like I'll just guess, it's probably wrong, but I'll say maybe you're a five, which is the kind of observer, the introvert, the scientist, the journalist, um, sometimes the teacher uh, who there, there's a fundamental feeling of like not fitting in or lack that then expresses as I'm going to withdraw and control my environment because now this is my internal space. And so once you start to recognize that and you see the different levels of healthy and unhealthy in that, you can see that, oh shit, no wonder I'm behaving this way. It's this pattern behavior that often happens in this kind of conditioning. And yeah. Oh, yeah, I can let that go. And and it can be very helpful yeah. in, in the whole journey, actually. Mm. That's And that's absolutely not talked about enough in non-duality circles about the operating system. And that you can somehow no-self your way out of every single bit of conditioning that you've, you've had in your life. And it's really interesting because I've noticed this over the last few weeks. I'm not going to mention um, names, but I, I know some deeply realized people, some deeply realized Buddhists. Um, like who've been doing this for years, just just walking embodied emptiness. Yet there's I can clearly still see human psychology working through them. As in they, they have a very they have a very keen focus on um so one of them is, is from Japan, I think, and um very much focus on you have to practice the Dharma every day four hours a day, meditate, you have to do this. And I'm like, oh, that's humans. That's, that's cultural conditioning working through you right there. As much as you are emptiness embodied and, and all of this, there's still, the operating system is clearly still there, um, but they don't realize it. And that's, this aspect gets kind of overlooked um, that we do have this operating system or as, as Josh put it, this, this, this inertia that even after awakening, this inertia continues on and people, you know, non-duality speakers, they can kind of miss this for their whole life and kind of, ignore the operating system or try to push it aside when nah it's clearly you can clearly see it i i love that josh had inertia because that's how i've described it internally in my mind is the conditioning has inertia it has momentum it doesn't dissolve and that's why you'll see a you know we want our our enlightened beings to be perfect uh, buddhas uh, but I suspect the Buddha wasn't a perfect Buddha. I suspect that that the conditioning is sitting there. And like you said, if you don't recognize it, if you don't see it, actually, not only do, you, do you, I think it's helpful to see it, it's helpful to hold it. Like, just hold it like a baby. Go, God, of course, of course, of course, this is how the Zubin would show up. You know, the Zubin character <laughs> had all this stuff happen. And of course he's gonna be volatile emotionally. Of course he's gonna be reactive and angry. Of course he's gonna seek stability and comfort in the known. Of course, yeah. of course, of course. And that's all fine, that's all fine. And actually you accept it as a, just a, a manifestation. But if it's blind, if it's unconscious, if it's not known, yeah. then you just act through it not knowing. And, yeah. and that's when the trouble happens. That's when spiritual ego occurs. That's when all this abuse can happen in my opinion. Yeah. And so some degree of that kind of understanding the the computer that's that's the software that's running can be so helpful. And, and I'll tell you this, for my wife, it's actually what helped her wake up in this way. And again, oh, really? this is a story. So hold it lightly, this story. So we, I, I was telling her, listen, this Enneagram thing is so interesting. I'm learning that like all my behaviors are so almost 
predicated and predictable based on how I was conditioned. Some of it's inborn and some of it's like growing up with parents who fought all the time and did all this kind of thing. Of course, I would seek safety and try to form networks around me and this kind of thing. It's the kind of classic Enneagram six loyalist, very loyal to people around you, even when they're a mess. And um, I said, for you, I think, you know, she, we decided she was a nine, which is the peacemaker, which represses emotion, always tries to find internal stability, detaches and so on. That may be you as well, actually, uh, David, I have no idea, but it's very hard to diagnose someone's Enneagram. They have to kind of do it themselves. But so, so she said, oh, so she reads the chapter in this book, The Wisdom of the Enneagram, which was again, written with awakening in mind on nine and comes out and is just like, it's like someone read my like diary if I had a diary. Like, what is this? And then she started recognizing, she's like, oh my God, this is all just a conditioning. This is all story. And that was the, the prerequisite for the kind of natural surrender that occurs to what is, is, is recognizing that I was never that. Like, that's like, like a robot that was programmed. And you can actually love and feel compassion for it in a way, you know, from this mm. view that, gosh, it, it, of course it's doing what it does. Um, so it can be very helpful, I think. Yeah, for sure. And us into a little bit about trauma as well i don't know if you've found this in your experience but i was speaking to violet about this um a few months ago and we were talking about trauma and i hadn't gone through the no self shift at this time and i was talking about my trauma you know the conditioning which is just the nervous system actually trauma has been baked down into the nervous system i lost a parent when i was very very young and you know i, I had a fear a fear of losing the people i love so like if they don't text me back in a certain time i i, I think that terrible things are going to happen to them and you know, it's like, you know, how do I deal with this monster? Will it ever go away? And that's kind of what I've found is that that conditioning, that, that, that energy, that traumatic energy in the body, in the nervous system, it doesn't go away. Like it didn't, when the no self shift happened, it didn't just poof, there you go, it's gone. But it's more so about when it arises to recognize its nature. What is the nature of this anxiety? It is emptiness. And it's, it's nature is, it's very nature is, is freedom. And the thoughts that are generating it, they're very, the, the thoughts, you go look for the thoughts that say, oh, this person's going to die. I look for that one thought and it hasn't got boundaries. I can't possibly find a boundary to that thought. I can't even find where it's coming from. I don't know where it's going. And then you kind of realize that it's not about getting rid of your conditioning. It's not about like expulging or getting like just pushing it out of the body. It's about letting it arise and then recognizing its nature, just like a sound. And there's no difference. And I don't know if, if you found that in your experience as well, but it's just not about getting rid of stuff, getting rid of your conditioning. <laughs> oh man. Oh man, man. See this, I, I had this intuition that this was the kind of conversation that we were going to have, um, which is the things that people don't, you know, I think Angelo is very good about talking about emotion stuff and, and conditioning and, and arising. And, but a lot of people don't, um, Either there's a kind of spiritual bypass where it's like, well, it's all emptiness. You know, don't worry about it. <laughs> it's nothing. Oh, you know, this is like 10,000 years of therapy. You just realize none of it was a problem. And look, to some degree, that's absolutely true. To some degree, that's in the absolute sense, that is true. But what I find here, and, and it's been happening really more and more and more the last few weeks, actually, is all those energies, like you said, some trauma as a kid, some degree of wounding, some kind of... um a fear-based child that's there, that pattern of energy will show up and there'll be a bunch of thoughts about it. 
And so the, the practice, if there's a practice, is to recognize that that's happening and then sit with it. And for me, it's been like, holy shit. I had no idea there was so much energy trapped in that. And just allow it, just allow it to come. So what feels like anxiety or fear? Okay, so let's sit with that. Here are the thoughts about anxiety and fear. And like you said, they have no substance or boundary. They're infinite energy. They're innocent. And then there's the actual energy in the chest that says you're going to die or someone else is going to die. And, and then you feel that. And it just can come out. Yeah, tears will happen and sobbing and maybe you'll lay in bed all day. You know, crazy shit can happen in the relative. Like it'll look like depression. It'll look like you're having a nervous breakdown. But in reality, you've never been so clear. <laughs> you feel it all entirely. And then it passes through and it can actually feel ecstatic at times. It can feel, uh, it can transmute into bliss. It can transmute into every cell in your body feels like it's lit up. Um, mm. And then it can feel just truly from the relative sense, awful, like the, the worst kind of pain, but there isn't the suffering component. <laughs> like, Cause you see yeah. what the thoughts that are pushing and pulling on it, you see them as they are. And, and so then it's just the experience. It's, it, it, it's, it's so beautiful and we resist it. And I think it, it, it generates a kind of avoidance or a bypass mechanism that is, is mm -hmm. not very helpful. Yeah. I hope, I hope Josh doesn't mind me bringing up his name again. Um, brought up brought up brought his name up quite a bit but uh, we were talking and um talking about his experience again about about feeling pain um but how there's there was a sense of depression over him and this thing he's been kind of avoiding for months and one day he decided to go right to the center of it to just okay that's it and move right down into it and you know this blew me away um so it's like what happens we were saying what happens if you were to feel pain so intimately that the whole universe becomes pain and then is there pain then if there's the whole universe is pain because there's no nothing to reference it against so if you feel something so intimately that the whole universe is that and then you you enter right into the heart of of the mystery as such you enter right into the heart of that 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 grief that you've been experiencing and then the whole world just becomes grief and then he he, he described it as just like these tentacle arms just opening up and just just being just completely released into just just oneness because the pain as, as such had become everything and you know the heart sutra says there's no there's no origin of pain there's no end to pain though that's a paradox but you know there's there's if you're ever going to hear a description of non description of non-duality like there it is there's no end to pain there's no origin to pain what if everything was pain then there's no pain there's no suffering and it's like, whoa, okay, just got red pilled. <laughs> that that's beautifully described. That's what it is. That's what it is in experience. Is it just it 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 becomes everything. When I say it's blissful, it's it's pointing at the paradox that it is neither pain nor bliss. It's actually just what it is, and the mystery at the heart of it is like what you can't say a word about it. And that, that's what we, you know, my friend Suzanne says, that's what we live on top of as persons. As humans, we live on top of this. And so we tell stories and we distract and we talk about our traumas and we do this. We're living on top of this instead of just going, just going right in, just letting it be fully everything. And actually you want to practice. So, and I'll say this too, a person, a full-on person, with a full sense of you know, mind identification, cannot do this. They cannot bear this. 
this is not a bearable thing from the lens of mind. Luckily, that's not what you are. So you you can actually you have the infinite capacity to to bear this. And and there's a physical way to practice this. Next time you go to the dentist, if there's pain involved at the dentist, like for me, you know, she was doing this crazy cleaning. Like it was insane. And she's like, let me know if you need anything like to numb you. I'm going to go a little deep here, you know? And and I'm like, yeah, no, sure. I'll do it. And and, and it was right right after a retreat. So I had a lot of samadhi still. I, I, I had a lot of meditative concentration. And Angelo had said, you know, sometimes it's good to just dive into a sensation that you're classically calling bad. And I'm like, all right, let's try it. So she, dude, I'm telling you, excruciating pain, like for the mind. Initially, I was like, this is not, this is not bearable. And then I was like, so what is, what's, well, who's bearing it? What's going on? And just dive into the sensation. And like you said, it becomes the entire universe. The universe is a vibrating field of energy. Everything got quiet. Like my eyes were closed and this is going on. And not only was it infinitely bearable, it was seen as a total innocent mystery. Like, whoa, what is this? Like everything I know about this is a story. And so then I finally come to, and she's like, so was that okay? And I was like, no, actually it was probably excruciating, but I didn't experience it that way. <laughs> there was enough mind there to go, don't tell her it was fine because <laughs> you know there may come a time when you're gonna not be able to sit with that and the mind can't bear that. But yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of like that. Oh, wow. Ah, this is where this is that's so funny. Um, working with my, I haven't had any painful procedures like that, so I have I've never tried it. But um, that that's really interesting. And this is this is where this is why I love. I know you're friends with John Aston, and I yeah. John John has Zooms every Sunday that I, I attend. And this is this is where his inquiries are so beautiful. Is that he just he just gets you to pierce right into like a sensation, and he just just it just unfolds into this complete mystery. And I've never John. In quite, I've never come across anybody like John before. Um, in the way that he he just he describes this, or the way that he inquires into this, it's just like when you're inquiring with John, it's just infinite mystery. It's not about like uh, posture and um, look for the self and all like that. It's just about just what is the sensation? This 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 tingling, no location sensation of the what we call hand, and just feeling into that. And I can imagine that's exactly what you were kind of doing with with pain as such exactly what he kind of talks about. Yes. And John, this is the, yeah, like you said, the beautiful thing about John is he, he is, it, it, it's actually, you know how you get these neo-advitists who are very, you know, they're very dogmatic. There's nothing to do. There's no one doing it. Shut the hell up. I mean, it, it's a kind of, you know, I, you don't like to talk smack, but I, it's part of my personality to, um, <laughs> be very dismissive and judgmental. It's like, that's that's just what's here. So I'm Let's like, well, that's it. not very helpful <laughs> to most people. It's just not. With John, it's funny. He's equally non-compromising. Like in person, he's like, listen, all this inquiry stuff, that's all great. Shadow work, I don't even know what that is. All I know, all I know is that I don't know what the fuck this <laughs> is. I don't know what this is. I don't know. I, I'm looking at you. I don't see a Zubin. I'm just seeing infinite. Like, what is that mystery happening? And and um, and what's cool about John too is in person he's very fluid, so he can inhabit the relative in a very solid way. And then immediately you're sitting with him over lunch, and it's like you, you realize there's nothing knowable. Like this is just what it's inconceivable. It's just complete mystery and brilliant mystery and falling into nothing and nothing and nothing. And what uh, he did on the waking up bath was to. Po do pointers with that. And the beautiful thing yeah. about John is his karmic conditioning is 
that he has a beautiful singer's voice because he's a musician. So when he, you know, when he does his his um, meditations for waking up, it's like, you know, just feel your face. Like, what is this thing you're calling face? Like the breeze on your face, like really just focus on that sensation. Is it describable? And you're, you're, you're just there. You're right there with him. It's beautiful. Have you read his poetry, his poetry book? Uh, what's it called? Oh, what's it called? Is it uh, uh, Chasing Rain in a Monsoon? Is that, is that's it that what, one? That's one of, that's one of them. It's the other one. Um, it is, uh, I forgot, but yeah. have you read his poetry? It's just, I, it, wow. he, the guy is, yeah, it, it, it's just remarkable. And, and, you know, he's just like, you know, a professor here in, in town and teaches psychology and teaches like evidence-based uh, <laughs> studies and things like that. And, you know, and then you sit with him and you're like, dude, you are the portal into the infinite. Like yeah. <laughs> every time you point. Yeah. Oh, it's so, it's so, he, does he live close to you? Um, He's California as well. Are you California? That's California. Yeah. Side. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah I'm in the Bay, Bay Area of California. He's he's about an hour away, so we often would have uh, lunch or dinner and hang out uh, when he was teaching up here. And then he moved campuses, so we see each other less. But uh, and he's oh, been on my cool. show a few times. He, yeah, it's just you know, if there's one thing I could say is the way that he points can at times, if you're um, conceptually minded, you can get a little lost in the words if you're not <clears throat> able to relax that and actually go where he's pointing. Um, so that that can be one of the, if you have a certain fixation, his pointing may not be the way to get past that fixation for you at that point, but yeah. eventually that can dissolve. And then it's just like, oh crap. Mm, yeah. yeah, he has a um, he has a beautiful article. I'd, if anybody, anybody looking at this, I recommend you read on his website. Um, I think it's called Reality Drinking Itself. And it's just, whoa, just, just read that. And he basically starts out by saying, you know, look inwards. Like, what do you find? You find nothing other than mysterious experience. Look outward of what you think is the outside world. What do you find there? You just find more of this mysterious experience. And so inside and outside, it lose meaning. And now look for the one who is having that mysterious experience. And what do you find? It's like, you just find more of the mysterious experience. And it's like, it, then it's like water flowing into water. It's water pouring in experience, reality, drinking itself over and over again. So I highly recommend anybody listen to this to, uh, it's called reality drinking itself. It's a very short article, but profound. It's profound. Amazing. Ah, uh, um, what a beautiful description of what the Tibetans call one taste. I mean, yeah. that's it. It's oh. all one taste. Mm, yeah one taste have you have you found that actually just going back to daily daily life for a second we talk about you know conditioning doesn't change but certainly things have changed a lot, quite, quite dramatically actually so in like uh, i say this to interview when i have on on here and it's no offense to the person I'm, I'm interviewing you have the exact same experience but like this is the most important thing to me right now it's like the microphone and the the you on the screen there and but once this laptop closes down, it's like the bed and then it's like the pen. And then it's like, I'm going to have some, you know, I'm going to have something to eat then. And then the, the spoon is the most important thing because everything else is a thought. Like when, once this conversation is over, it's like Zubin is, a, is that, that interview is a thought now. That's it's an unfindable, ungraspable thought. But what's more real as such is like the spoon and like the cornflakes on the spoon and the, the, the milk on the spoon. And so there's been a that one taste as you say everywhere and it's not to say that you don't look forward to things anymore because i do look forward to things anymore 
I do look forward to things, but there's there's not that same like, oh, I'm so looking forward to doing this because the, the looking forward is is just thoughts. And whether, you know, whether or not I sit here on my bed, play Xbox or, you know, sit here in a chair and like read a book or I go to the rave that my friend, my best friends are all at. It's like if I was sitting here reading the book and if I was at the rave, it would still just be the same thing as such it's just the sounds it's just the sensations it's just that one taste following you everywhere to speak relatively and so there's just mm, yeah i don't know if you found that it's hard to hard to describe but i, I think you know exactly what I'm, I'm talking about yes and and honestly it's kind of liberation in a way because you realize there's only this just this and it's everything and everything else is thought and the thought can arise and you can even toy with believing the thought like that's what the looking forward to kind of is it's like oh there's a thought about the future and oh that's what a nice thought like i i would enjoy going to japan say so this happened this the, a good example for me is we had this trip scheduled to go to japan for two weeks in the summer and um with my family and then you know suzanne had come and there'd been all this dying happening and a lot of realization for me and my wife. And and we, we're looking at each other one day and we're just like, why, why are we going to Japan? Like, it's just going to be this. Like, we have this, like, what's to do? And then we find ourselves in Japan and we're like, this is beautiful. It's also this. <laughs> and you know, the crazy, this, this is really funny. So and, you know, the kids are just like, what the fuck is going on with our parents? Like, they, they seem to think like dad has guru, this is what they say, dad has guruified mom because they consider all this guru stuff because, you know, they they had the pop culture understanding of what all this is. And um, we're on the flight. It's a, I don't know, 12 hour flight from San Francisco to Tokyo. And me and my wife are sitting here and my daughter and and my daughters are sitting behind us. And they've got all their devices and all their distractions and they've got hours of to prep. Like, I want this video, I want that video, I want this video. And me and Margaret, my wife are sitting there, we have nothing. We've turned our phones off. We talk for a little bit and then we're just looking at the seat back, looking at our hands, watching the stewardess, listening to the sounds. <clears throat> and this goes on for 11 hours of this. Maybe there's a meal. And the kids afterwards were like, you know, we were watching you two. You hardly talked. You didn't do shit. You weren't even looking at your phones. What was going on? <laughs> they, they couldn't figure it out. And I was like, I don't know. It was just what it was. It was in Margaret, same thing. Yeah, it was fine. And we, we thought the flight was delightful. We were like, yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. 11 hours. And that would never, I mean, remembering what it was like to be fully mind identified like that's a torture chamber without distraction yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's, everything just becomes magical doesn't it and it's one of the it's one of the when i had that realization that one mind um kind of non-dual energetic expansion outwards in dublin actually the first thought that popped up there it's still this is still a version of an analysis but the first thought that popped up about it was ah, this is what people are talking about when they missed something from childhood. It's like, oh, this is very familiar. It's like, oh, this is what it was like playing in the sandpit when the trees seemed a little bit more glistening and I was more absorbed into everything when I was like four and five years old and the, the, the spark of Christmas and and like just oh, the wonder of everything. And it's like, ah, I see, I see. This is what it is. It was just a 
bunch of concepts like thrown in on top of it and identities just like layering it up and once that kind of goes back and it's like it's just like a familiarity it's like oh there's the there's the sandpit again there's the trees again oh yeah there it is again and it's this wonder to to everything really and that that goes deeper again and the reason why things become even more fascinating is like it's like even looking at a pen it's like how is this even appearing like how is this and i know this is somewhat of the analytical mind trying to figure it out but like if there's nobody and it genuinely feels like there's there's no this is not going that the visual object out here going towards a point in the head it doesn't feel like that it's like the awareness in the pen is like the same thing and it's like appearing there and it's like whoa, whoa that makes no sense to the analytical mind it's like how is this appearing and it's just like a a wonder to it uh, to kind of everything especially sounds um I, I recommend everybody to start like with set, investigating kind of the non-dual nature of sounds because it can be really picked up here and i was describing it through the radio it's like you know where's the sound happening and in buddhism um i love the example of the rainbow um and this is still quite analytical but the i, I believe that the analytical can really burn up and um kind of lead you to a direct experience so if you have a rainbow and you ask yourself analytically what is you know how is this rainbow appearing and you look at the kind of causes and conditions that go into making up the rainbow and it's like it requires rain for it to appear it requires the air it requires um the nervous system to see it it requires awareness so the the the, the luminous the luminous aspect of experience and on and on and on and on and on and you remove any one of those and the rainbow disappears and then you're kind of looking at the rainbow and it's like, and then it sinks into experience and it's like, whoa, well then where is the rainbow? And it's not even there. It's just not ungraspable. The actual qualia of the rainbow itself, the visual qualia, which is you, uh, where is the rainbow? It's like, it's completely empty and the sounds are empty and they're self-appearing. And yeah, that's, it's just, that was a long rant to basically say that the childlike wonder and mysteriousness of all this just comes back as such <laughs> I, lo- I love the way you express man because it's right there it's exactly it's the best you can do you know and uh sound is such a powerful such a powerful aspect of that experience like you said because you know there there's the experience i had at angela's place where a bird was uh chirping and it, it was here, there, everywhere, nowhere, indescribable, but also had a had a feeling, like you said, there's a feeling tone, an emotion tone that is evoked. That's a kind of wonder, bliss, love, um, hard to describe. It, it co-arises. It's almost like, like you said, you were describing the web of conditions that are necessary for any phenomena, the interdependent co-arising as the Buddhists say, right? That's all thought, that's all wonderful, yeah. but um, it can be experienced as everything is just one vibrant happening mysteriously, interdependent, yeah. interpenetrating, mm, you know, perfect. Exactly. And, and, and as it feels like that, and the ungraspability is part of that perfection. It's that there's, n- again, who's grasping at it? it it's just exactly blah, mysteriously as it is. The wonder of childhood that I, I thought, I've, you know, it's strange. This has occurred to me in meditation where because consciousness itself is another 
radically no distance dharmic appearance. It's just another like, like thought consciousness. It's kind of like the whole world that we think we know is that vibration of reflective house of mirrors consciousness. And it's from the big bang up until now, all of human history has occurred as in and as this uh, consensus consciousness. So part of growing up, I think, is this body mind loses it, it. The direct experience is there. Like you said, that sandbox, the tree, the glistening, all of that. And then the conditioning of the world, the consensus reality inflicts itself, the parents, et cetera, and says, no, this is called this, this is this, and this is made of this, and this works like this. And slowly but surely, you shift from immediate experience into consensus, reflective, house of mirrors, thought-based construction of the world. And it loses the magic because now it's known, even though it's not, <laughs> it's yeah. felt that it's known. So when that strips back, it's a sense of wonder. And the other example I give is like uh, Disneyland or Disney World in the, in the yeah. US. Yeah, when you go when you're a kid, that shit is like, <laughs> what is this magical place? <laughs> yeah. Like everything, it's a sense tone. It's a, like a wonder, it's a glistening magic, like the magic of Disney, that's what they're talking about. Then you go, maybe you're a little older and you're like, oh, that's how that works. Oh yeah, look at the little pulley pulling on that. And then you go as like a teenager, we went with high school, they send us to Disneyland because I was in California. And I'm like, I'm with my girlfriend and it's the magic of being with a girlfriend and everything else is kind of funny and kind of, oh, you can kind of see how it works. Then you go as an adult and you're like, this is just smoke and mirrors, garbage. Like this is plastic nonsense. And you know, you know what it is, right? I mean, but you're looking at your kid and the kid's just like, Doo. so it's kind of like that. It's like this disabusement of what's actually there through reflective consciousness. Oh, it's such a beautiful way of saying it. Thank you. Um, what's the, what's the saying? Um, once, a, once a child learns that a bird is a bird, B-I-R-D, it no longer sees the bird. It's like, it's like that, there you go. Once once a child learns that a bird is a bird, he does not see the bird anymore. There you uh, go. That's it. It's heartbreaking, right? Like it's like it, reality is staring at you. It's showing you what it is. And in order to create this, we lose that apparently. But the beautiful yeah. thing is it's never lost. It's always there. It's just where, 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 <laughs> I mean, even the word attention doesn't make sense because who is attending? <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's just the appearance. You you described this well. This is this is what got me hooked when I watched your video and you said, you know, it's kind of like there's a dark void and there's just little light bulbs that light up. Mm. And that's what attention kind of is, really. It's just the mm. phenomenon appearing in different yeah. ways. And then the mind will put it together as I'm attending to this. But in reality, yeah. it's just mm. the phenomenon. No. Yeah. Uh, how that came about actually was massive synchronicity. Um, I don't know. I, I, I don't, uh, I talk about this in every interview as well, and I won't take up too much more of your time. Um, I'm oh. kind of running out of things to say because we're just falling into complete, we're falling deeper and deeper into silence. So um, I, I do have a couple more things though, if that's okay with you. Um, oh yeah, I got, for this, it's like all I care about. <laughs> um, <laughs> what was I going to say? Oh yeah. I this is kind of shifting onto a new topic and I'm not sure how you'll take this, but I'm going to give it to you anyway. Um, prayer. Obviously there, there's, there's just phenomena, emptiness, phenomena. There, there couldn't possibly be a separate God in the universe kind of manipulating and controlling like theism or something like that. Not even pantheism or 
the whole universe is God. It doesn't even make sense. God get, got destroyed. God got killed. Um, but when I stopped becoming a Christian and the day I stopped becoming a fundamentalist Christian, the, the, the night I remember clearly, I was down in the bottom bedroom there and I prayed to God one last time. I said, I'm leaving, but I pray this one last prayer. Just And I said this with tears coming down my face. I said, just show me the truth. I don't care what it is. I don't care if I have to become a Hindu or a Muslim or I don't care. I just, I have to know the truth. I just, I've been chasing, you know, Christian Baptist fundamentalist doctrine and repressing certain things in me for my whole life. I can't do that anymore. And what I'm basing it off of like, what like the, the the ontological argument or the teleological argument and I can't I can't base my life off of these concepts anymore. But I pray just show me the truth. Show me the truth. And I literally said that from the bottom of my heart. And that has led me on a wild journey. But that's not the only prayer. But I use that a lot actually. Um for example, when it came to the, the no self thing, I was having insights into no self. And but it wasn't really clear and I was kind of I was kind of confused over this thing called attention in the head and I didn't know I didn't know how to investigate it like attention felt like it was coming out towards things and I, I kind of sneakily prayed again I was like I just want to know the truth about this show me the truth I care I care about nothing else nothing else about myself or anything but the truth the second I prayed that I went onto Facebook and I seen the prayer I had just prayed literally in a Facebook post and I clicked on the Facebook post and it was the guy who was literally asking the exact same question as me. And I went to the comment section and I found some guy linked um, a video of someone online literally exploring this thing exactly um, how I was experiencing it and led me right to the light bulbs. Light bulbs are just everything is self-knowing. And then I interviewed him on the channel, actually. Um and that was just the biggest synchronicity ever. And again, I'm not saying that prayer is real and there's a God answering the prayers, but there seems to be when there's a, a yearning towards truth and truth is the most important thing to you, there seems to be something in the conditional field or whatever, I don't know. And that's going to try to explain this, that just orientates. And it's almost like Rupert Spira says the whole universe gets behind that. And it just, just things unfold. Um, that's more esoteric and some people don't actually like hearing that but it kind of taps into synchronicities and things i don't know if you've had any of those kind of weird experiences mm, man that's beautiful yeah no you're pointing at something <laughs> very direct which is this is all interdependent this is all like a one happening not even one it's just exactly the happening and when the body-mind, when this set of conditions orients somehow through grace towards truth, they, there's a saying, right? When the student is ready, the teacher appears. There's a saying that when, <clears throat> you know, when you surrender to this, bodhisattvas will appear everywhere. And it's absolutely true. Every yes. single person who goes through it will tell you this. And and some stories are so remarkable. And for me, it's happened again and again and again, and it's felt like grace. And so this prayer, this devotional aspect is a kind of how I see it. Because it's funny, I'm, you know, I'm technically an atheist. And yet 
I yeah. find myself praying <laughs> to to anything that will listen. Like sometimes I'll sit in meditation and it, it'll, it'll just be like, help, help, yes. yeah. help, yeah, please. Like I wanna see clearly, but it feels so opaque, like help. And that act of devotional surrender from this pattern, I think is all that it takes. And like you said, there may be nothing. Mean, God is a construction of the human mind. Like that's all fine. This even is beyond God. It's like praying for truth. It's it's a it's an act of surrender or devotion or, you know, bhakti. I guess is the term they use. It doesn't matter. I don't yeah. even know if that's a term. Um, but it 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 it's um. It's so powerful. You know, Violet actually tells the story that she had this prayer arise spontaneously. And the prayer was, I want to know truth even if I have to live under a bridge again, because she had to do that at some point, wow. even <clears throat> if I lose everything. So it was very direct. It was like, even if I'm destroyed, I want to know the truth. Um, and that kind of act of surrender of letting go, that in itself is the energetic probably prerequisite for whatever that is <laughs> that's it um, that's yeah. it it's it's so powerful and gangaji uh, talks about this as well just that devotional aspect and it's, it's crazy because i've been praying my whole life for things like uh, make me be a certain way um i need this in my life bring get, bring me this i know that god give me this 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 and yet they all went unanswered. Yet it was the complete heart, heart. I use the word heart strongly here, the heart orientation towards truth that got answered instantly. And it's like, whoa, what is going on here? It's like, shit. It's like, whoa. Um, I've talked to some Buddhists and they're, they, they, they would say that it's the, you know, the, the, the Buddhas in the different realms and there's the, 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 the Buddhas who transcend time, space, dimension, all that. They, they actually come and they they genuinely help you and there's those who are answering the prayers but again that's slightly conceptual um but yeah man there's it's again it's it's a nice balance too because i'm very analytical i'm very direct i like to be very direct i like to i like to be, i like to look for the point of attention in your head and you won't find it it's like attention looks for itself and it exhausts itself and no it's not there it's like look for that it's not there i love working like that but then there's this like private side to me it's like i'm praying and, and yeah. it's like, I'm, I'm crying. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah. Well, show me the truth. Show me the truth. Yeah. 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 Me too. It, 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 it's funny because I, I was such a science based skeptic for a lot of my like video career, too. Like, that was part of my brand is like, I debunk nonsense. And this was pre, you know, <laughs> back in the day. And um, people now will watch my channel. And I, I use the G word a lot, God, just to really try to resonate with people who have that devotional aspect. Like it's okay to surrender to what you're calling God. It, I call it truth or life or whatever, living truth. Living truth is so interesting. It's something Angela uses because when it's really felt, it's like, oh, it's alive. It, 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 this is not a dead universe. This is, you know, mm. but, but it's also like, well, the difference between idealism and everything is consciousness and materialism, everything's stuff. It doesn't even become like, what even is that? That's not even, why are we even talking like that? <laughs> it just becomes irrelevant. Um, yeah, it, it's quite a ride. 
sure. and it continues is always unfolding, right? Like for you, yeah. I can tell like every conversation is like, ah, there's mm-hmm. something else mm-hmm. that little facet yeah. of the diamond that shows itself. Oh yeah. Um, for sure. It's <laughs> happening. So it's happening so fast as well. Um, mm. like this, this has all happened in the space of one year. Um, I think it happened very Oof. quickly for you, quickly for you as well. Um, but I, I like, luckily for me, um, like this, this, this whole process, um, it, it unfolds differently for everybody. And I feel like if people have like a really traumatic past, if it happened this quickly, it would mm. not, it would be, it would be very rough. Um, I kind of noticed that with uh, Suzanne a little bit. Um, I'm not sure if she talked much about her past in her videos, but, um, again, there was this, this sense that she's kind of losing everything and there's this deep grief and that comes along with it. Um, that wasn't there at all for me at all. Um, it was more so in a way, just a glow to everything and there's no self. And I saw it as like a, a joyous thing. I think Angelo, when he lost the sense, when he um, had no self insight, it was the same. It was like, ah, it's like, whoa. But for some people it's like, oh no, whoa. Um, and I think that maybe has to do with a <clears throat> past the, of how the, the awakening happens in a certain body mind. Um, but again, that's a, a, a separate kind of, um, conversation, but it did happen very quickly for me. I think it happened kind of quickly for for you as well. Um, it's, it's kind of yes and yes and no in that way. Right. <clears throat> like for, for me, it was almost a lifetime. I'm 50 years old. It was almost a lifetime of questioning what is reality using science and all that. And then awakening <clears throat> technically in 2012, if you call it that. And then yeah. the kind of recent thing has been falling away. So it's funny here, there is a lot of grief. There is a lot of feeling of loss. There is a lot of sense of falling away. There is a lot of identity structures that fall. And it seems like for you at 24, at a steep path, like that's less prominent. And with Suzanne, I know her quite well now. We've spoken quite a bit. You know, she's had a lot of trauma and been through quite a bit and a yeah. lot of identity and, and, um, very much the helper type and to see that stuff kind of die away has been a grieving and uh, painful uh, process, but that's part of the beauty of the unfolding for her. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Um, yeah. Again, it's, it's beautiful. It's actually beautiful to see how the, the different flavors, it, we're all talking about the same thing, but the flavor of it is just, it's just beautiful. It's different for everybody. It's just like, it's like the way John Aston speaks about it. It's just like not the way that Suzanne speaks about it at all but they're talking about at all. the exact same thing they're talking about the exact same thing and it's just i think it's just beautiful how the awakening happens through unique and again this comes back to the relative the unique relative world the individual you know coming back to the individual and how it happens in this body mind if you will and i think that i just think it's beautiful and i think the relative world and the, all of that is it just it's beautiful no need to be, to be denied um, but yeah fascinating how different flavors and yeah i think that's just fascinating yeah yeah, the 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 undeniability of the relative as an expression of the absolute, as an expression of just what is, I think that's a fundamental thing that if it's not really grokked in some way, things get very dicey. I think mm. it becomes long, you know, and again, nobody's doing this. So it, it, it'll show up how it shows up in each individual. Some will not be able to re-manifest, you know, for Suzanne, it's interesting. And again, I'm not going to speak for her, but there has been a feeling over the last few weeks and months that there's a coming back into life, into the relative yes, yes. and an allowing and in a beauty of it. And things that would have been intolerable for her prior are now seen as innocent and perfect mm. and still can be annoying and still those sensations are right, but that's fine. <laughs> 
And it's so beautiful that that's actually, that's the, this is just the wonder of it because just, you know, then, then the child comes back into the adult and you have, you have both there. Yeah. <laughs> then it's, it's play, it's play then. And I, I remember watching Suzanne's um, channel and I was like, Oh, Ooh, I was like, you know, there's a lot of, it seems very negative. It seems very, you know, a lot about death and a lot about, you know, it seems actually, it's like, this is not what I'm experiencing. This is, this is maybe, is this awakening at all? Is this realization at all? And it was just beautiful as her videos progressed to see like, again, that coming back in. And I was like, oh, here we go. It's coming back down from the mountain now. And it's like this perfect integration of relative and absolute. It was like, ah, oh yeah, she's the real deal. <laughs> she's the real yeah. deal. She really, she really is, isn't she? Yeah. yeah. Oh. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's how she's experienced here. It's just like, oh, and it was, it was beautiful because part of the coming back into the real world, so to speak, was her coming out here actually, being dragged out of her catacomb wow. in Philadelphia. <laughs> the graveyard. For, by, by total mysterious forces, right? Like who, how did that happen? That was pure synchronicity. And uh, that's why I, I, again, it's like that this, the, the Bodhisattva showing up, you know, each of us were, were, were was each other's Bodhisattva in that way. And then my wife wakes up in the process of that. And her expression is entirely different. Like it's very much a like, you know, there's a sense of the falling away of the attachment to children in a way. Like this deep maternal attachment that she set so much identity on is now seen for what it is. And and so I asked her the other night because she was having a bit of a hard time. A lot of emotion was coming up, a lot of sense that this is all illu illusory. And she was saying this to me, we were laying in bed and she was quite emotional. And I said, uh, cause I was, I feel a lot of this too. And, and it's weird too, that these states are contagious when you're in proximity. So when the child is anxious, I feel a lot of that energy when she's going through this, I feel it too, or I'm going through it. She feels it. It's really interesting because th there's just kind of one thing going on. But I, I said, well, yeah, but what is, what's in your experience right now? Like right this second, like what is in your experience? Like, is there illusion in your experience? Is there loss in your experience? Like, tell me. And she starts pointing. She goes, no, it's just this. And I was like, yeah. So you, all that's great, but like, it's just this, right? So there's always just this. And uh, that was a pointer for both of us actually, because we were getting a bit lost in that kind of story around the emotion, story around illusion, story around loss and recognizing it as story. And, and it's funny because I'd had an experience recently where I reached out to Angela and I'm like, man, it's just like infinite grief, infinite sadness. All the, all these experiences from childhood are re-showing themselves in like high definition. Like it's like, remember this? <laughs> and it's like, it's right there. And all the sadness and wounding. And he said, yeah, it's beautiful. It does that. And he said, but one thing to pay attention, use some discernment, where in that experience, what's the thought and what is the experience? Because a lot of times when it's that intense, they get conflated and you can get a little lost in the story. And then it just becomes, you, you'll know because it'll have the tone of suffering. And uh, I was like, ah, that's really good advice. Cause then you can just watch, you know, what's really going on in current experience. What's the thought and what's the energy. Yeah. So he was directing you kind of to look where that kind of hidden thought was essentially as it was relating to the, to the experience. It was one of the questions I wanted to to ask you was uh, uh, about that. And I kind of, it, it, it's, it lends into talking about resistance 
and also self mm. because you know we can talk about attention all day long and we can talk about the you know the microphone is seeing itself and it'd be beautiful whoa wow 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 but have you found have you investigated what adi ashanti calls down in the gut there is a very subtle sense of no um there's just a no down there and how how how's that been in your experience so it's been super interesting to investigate that no because you know say an uncomfortable emotion arises and there's there's a there's a no to it there's a no to a certain situation in life but you go look for the no and again you can't find the no you can't find the no so then the resistance kind of dissolves and then it's like oh okay where's this no where's the no the no is not there it's like oh that's another thought and then the emotion just becomes the emotion again it's like when it flowers out into reality again and oh i don't i don't know man it's just like i feel like right now where i'm where i'm at it's hard to it's hard to explain it's like it's like once this no is it's like this no is seen through as such again this is the wrong way of putting it but like i just keep looking for it and looking for it and when there's no no there like that's literally the end of suffering that is the complete end of suffering and the buddha was right and it's like that little no is like the last remaining slither of like self-identity that little no in the bottom of your gut that's like not happy with the day it's like go look for that and then keep looking for that in the exact same way that you were looking for attention and you can't find attention turn attention around on itself try to look for attention and then eventually just wears out go look for the no every time you feel a resistance to an emotion look for the no for it move into the no move into the into the no at the bottom of your gut you go closer to it and you just can't find it and then what's left and then what would happen if that no just poofed for good and that's just something i've been investigating lately but i'm curious to hear your experience this is the way i put it the no but if you kind of experience it in that same way just as adi shanti says this no at the bottom of your gut that says yeah basically mm -mm, mm -mm, to life essentially Mm. Mm. Oh, so this is that first inflection of resistance to what is. Yeah. It's the first movement of consciousness that says, no, like, I don't like, yes. and, and actually I like is actually probably equally, um, a generation of uh, suffering because it's a, it's a moving towards a grasping, a clinging and it's interesting that I, I, I've read that from Adya Shanti. He talks about the gut. And I suspect a lot of Adya's language comes from his background as teaching Zen for so many years that you put the mind's attention right in the gut. And so much of focus may be there. So he may experience it there. He also talks about kind of the unborn, kind of the gateway being the lower belly. And, and I think yeah. that may be a, a bit of cultural conditioning. It may also have some energetic reality, but um, I can say that this comes up here and it's felt in general as a resistance in the body. So Adya is right in this experience as there's something in the body that energetically tightens 
when yeah. there's a resistance. And so what you're pointing at is dropping, looking for what that is. What is that? Where is that? And just seeing that it's just exactly, you, know, you just keep looking. That's a beautiful exercise I'm going to try myself because that no still arises. I know it. I feel it in the body. Yeah. And, same. and right. It, it's like a, <clears throat> it's what Angelo talks about. He says, it's that last 0.1% of resistance or selfing, so to speak. But when that drops, it's not a 0.1% difference. It's like 20 log magnitude difference in suffering. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I have not experienced that fully dropping, maybe intermittently, but I've definitely experienced it. And it's in the body. And that's the other thing I wanted to say is the body, you ignore it at your peril. Like uh, one thing Suzanne kind of showed me is the body, the body, the body, the body. She's always talking about the body, always yeah. pointing to the body. And I think that was to get someone like me out of the headspace of consciousness into the sensation field of what we're calling body. Mm. That's where emotion is. That's where resistance mm. is. That's where energy is. And now I'm so sensitive to energy. It's a little scary. Like sometimes I'm almost overcome with energetics and I just have to sit. I was sitting on a subway in Japan with my family and suddenly I was just like, all the energy in the universe was passing through the body. And I was like, I hope nobody's looking at me because I, I look like a weirdo. I'm just like, you know, lit up with this energy. Uh, but it's the body, you know, it's a kind of a nexus of, uh, of sense. Yeah. Here's a spontaneous thought that just came to me. And I, yeah, I've been inquiring into this as, as well. How emotional work, sometimes we separate out emotional work, which is very valuable. I'm not shitting on emotional work, extremely valuable, should be promoted in, all over the place. But we can digest emotions for the rest of our life. We can allow them to come up. We can feel them. I'm going to feel my emotions. I'm going to go down into it and I'm going to allow it to come up and I'm going to allow it to arise. And I feel like I could be doing that forever. Like a situation triggers me. I come home. Okay. I just feel the emotion, feel the emotion. And I could do that for my whole life. I could, that's very practical. Um, it's, you know, it's psychology, you know, a psychological exercise to do. It's not really psychological. It's more intuitive, but, but there would always still be the no, no matter how much emotions you transmute, no matter how many emotions you feel, how you move into the body and all of the excellent stuff that I always do and will always do, but there will always still be the no. And so I made a video a while ago saying that emotional work is not separate from Buddha nature. It's not separate from, from this. And that's where looking for the no is. It's really going to the fundamental 0.1% and finding it and investigating into that because that's, that's, if you will, the source of all those negative emotions and reactions to life. And so in that way, like the whole awakening process is not completely separate. There's not like two separate things in emotion, emotional work here and Buddha nature here. It's like, it's all Buddha nature. And if you inquire into the know, you'll kind of see which what, what I've seen is it's a, it's a subtle duality. There's a pole, there's a, there's a subtle pole in consciousness 
And it's a very subtle duality. And if what we're saying is true, if this is really non-duality, non-duality has it, it is the end. It's the complete end of, of, of suffering. The Buddha was right. If, if it's really non-dual, there is nothing to push against. There's nothing to pull against because there is no 0.1% in there to push against anything else. It's non-dual fully. And I think that inquiry paired with the emotional work is could just yeah it could just it would just be super powerful and it's something i'm currently doing and a recommendation maybe to everyone watching to really look for the the nature and substance of the no itself what where is the no what is it is it separate is it you does it have identity what is it go to the core of that keep the emotional work keep doing the emotional work fantastic beautiful but realize that the no it can't really be there as such it's just like everything else it's just like the empty shimmering of the sound and i just intuitively feel as i'm investigating this over the last few weeks it's like if i move into that that's like yeah that's where the, the real shadow work or emotional work is done because it's just not separate from non-duality it's not separate from emotional work i hope that made sense <laughs> <laughs> i always laugh when i hear truth because it's just it makes perfect sense it actually makes more than sense and i've not heard it expressed that way angelo sometimes will talk similar to that but as you were as you were pointing i was feeling into this there's something i want to add to what you said which was beautiful it's this no, this um, resistance that assumes a resistor, that assumes a subject that is in opposition to what is being experienced. <laughs> One thing to, 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 when you look for it, make no assumptions about what it is. Don't assume it's a thought because it might well be it's an energetic contraction that is not a is not classically what you would call a thought although all appearances are really the same stuff so if you're looking for a thought you may not find it you may say well i'm not saying no to this yeah that that's fine so look at what is what is the sense of resistance to what's arising and you can even generate it as a practice you can generate a scenario in your mind and in the mind, you could say, okay, loss of a, of a pet. Let's just make it simple. Pet died. Oh, you feel right away. Oh, you know, not okay. Okay. So where, where is that? Where is that? What was that? Ah, oh, okay. Okay. And like you are pointing to, it is not it's like every other phenomenon. It's another self-knowing appearance that has no ownership to it, is not in space and time. When you look, you can't find any of that. So just keep looking. You don't even have to think about those things. That's all concept. Just look and look and look and look. And, and then it's huh? just what is. And, and that combined with feeling those emotions, those strong emotions arrive, grief, loss, all that. Okay. Oh, there's something in the body that says no. All right, let's look for it and sit with it and keep looking for it. 
Oh, that's beautiful, man. It's beautiful. Yeah. Thank you. You the the man with words. Thank you. There's, see, it comes it, it comes in it comes in handy it comes in handy to be able to speak like that um it's like sometimes i'm like you know it's just uh you just gotta go and just you know do the thing man you just gotta go and like go into the <laughs> go into the body and just do the thing it's like as, as joe biden says you know you go do the thing yes. man <laughs> it, it it is it's very weird because for me like recently I've been struggling with a lot of like shame around how verbose I can be, like how I tend to conceptualize and verbalize. And then every now and again, something will click where it's like, ah, oh, but sometimes you can, I, I have this ability to express something that's not typically expressible. So maybe that's useful, but it's all story. <laughs> yeah, it, it is useful. Like there, there's no point in saying that, oh, like, oh, you know, I've been conceptualizing my whole life and I've been this intellect my whole life. So just throw it all away. It's like, it's like, no, it's like, I think it's an, an analogy used in Buddhism. I'm pretty sure I'm butchering this, but it's like picture like the intellect. So the words that Zubin is speaking, the intellect, your intellect as like a stick in like a, a like a pot, and the words and the 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 um the intellect is is that stick. But eventually, the stick dissolves into a, a direct experience. So it's a very useful tool. It's not the stick is not the truth. This truth is like the dissolved the the dissolving infinite around here. But the stick can still be used, and eventually. You know, you can dissolve it into the it'll it'll the the intellect, or as Rupert Spire says, the head will drop into the heart. But you can still use the head, and the head will drop into the heart. I very much like that. That's why I love reading, um, like Buddhist philosophers like Nagarjuna and things like that, yeah. because he's very very intellectual. This is how emptiness. Like, try find the car. You can't find the car. It's the car in the parts. Is the parts in the car? It's like try look for it, look for it, look for it. I was like, yeah, that's an intellectual game, but then it drops into experience. So like mm. for you, I just like just yeah. Just what, just what you did there. Keep doing that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's very helpful. Thank you. Yeah, for sure. Right. I. Yeah. Now I just feel like doing nothing. <laughs> doing nothing. Um... <laughs> I know. What do What do we do for the rest of the day? It's kind of like I was supposed to do this. Um, Doc Vader dress up in a Darth Vader costume and do this comedy thing for some client. It's not happening. Uh, no, you're you're gonna you're going to do the thing, man. You're going into your bedroom and you're gonna close the door. And you're, yeah, what are you doing here? I'm doing the thing. <laughs> I'm doing the thing. Me and Joe Biden have a thing. We're we're doing. <laughs> I like that though. Sometimes doing the thing is the most you can uh, say about something. Yeah, exactly. it's just it's the it's the best that that the mind can uh, put together. <laughs> For sure, it's a cliche, but silence is the best language. Um, it really is. It really is. That's what uh, Maharshi used to say all the time. Is it's through the silence you come and sit and that's all that needs to be said. And yep. uh, there's something, there's something there. For sure. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, Zubin, I think it's perfect, perfect way to, to end. I've kept you for two hours nearly. Um, I've really, really enjoyed it. Um, again, thank you so much for your time. Total joy. Thank you so much, David. I learned a lot uh, sitting here with you. And not to do this because you've nearly half a million subscribers, but there's a probably a section in, uh I've about 3000 now, but a lot of them would be very devoted to non-duality. So how do people get exposed to you talking more about this kind of stuff on your channel? Do you have a like playlist or 
Yeah, there's the consciousness meditation playlist. Uh, and most of my newer stuff is all focused on this. There's the interview series I did with Angelo that Angelo just shines in that. It's a really great um, intro, especially for people who are, or you're trying to go deeper. Uh, it's useful. And then we're also on Facebook. Uh, the majority of our audience is on Facebook, which is interesting. And I often will do live um, shows there from my backyard with my phone, just pointing at whatever experiences in that moment. Sunday, Sunday Zen rounds. Is that, that's, that's what Sunday's end. Yeah, I, ch- I yeah. tune in. I love it. Oh, that's awesome! I'm honored, <laughs> man. You're, 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 you, you. I don't know, man. I would love to just sit with you for like four days straight, and maybe say three words, but we'd end up just talking the whole time because that's how we express. <laughs> exactly, and there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, nothing wrong with it. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Amen, brother. Um, <laughs> well, everyone. Yeah, I hope you enjoyed it. Um, and yeah, everyone have a great day. Hey, it's Dr. Z. Thanks for getting through the whole episode. That's a huge accomplishment. (laughs) And so at this point, I just got to ask you for a few favors because it just helps us so much if you leave a review on your favorite podcast platform and subscribe. It it just really helps the algorithm to get this message out to others. The second thing is email me, hello at zdogmd.com. I get all these emails personally. I can't respond to them all, but I need to hear your voice because especially on podcast, we don't have a comment section. And I want to hear how this episode affected you, what you'd like to hear in the future, what you think we got wrong, what we think we got right, anything, anything, or just say hi. So that's really powerful. And the third thing is financially, it helps us a lot to support the show in any way you can. And if you go to zdogmd.com forward slash supporters, you can join our supporter tribe on your favorite platform, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, wherever. What that will get you on those platforms is live shows with me that are exclusive for supporters. And access to our Zoom meetings where we talk about awakening realization and we share with each other our own experience. It's a powerful group effect. It's a community, really. And we support and love each other and share, again, through our own experience, how we're waking up. So, and that that ripples out into systems, into transforming healthcare and education and government. So it st- really starts with us. So join us there if you can. Again, zdogmd.com forward slash supporters. And I'm so grateful to have you with us.